I want to thank the congregation for all the prayers for Cindy and I. Um, we really feel like there have been a lot of answered prayers, and we appreciate it. Last week, we talked about um, our concerns, and I remember uh, Joe and Aaron talking about what are the things that, uh, that we worry about or we're concerned about. And really, I think what we're going to talk about today is just a continuation of that. Um, and as I was thinking last week, sitting there, I thought, you know what really concerns me is I hate the aging process. And I really hate the aging process. But the same thing applies for all the concerns that all of us had. Um, we've got some great dads in here, and I, I think parenting is probably the hardest job I ever had. And so, uh, you know, we really appreciate what parents do. But no matter what stage of life you're in, uh, we all have struggles and challenges and concerns. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, trust. And um, the title is The Man Who God Smiles On. And that might sound a little bit new agey. When I first read it, I, I kind of resisted. I was going through um, Purpose Driven Life, chapters 8, 9, 10. And it talks about that. But actually, we're going to bring some scriptures to bear here. So uh, you'll see where that's coming from. Um, and this is as much for me as it is for anyone else because this is a challenge that I've had, you know, my entire life, uh, knowing when to trust and, and being in a position where I felt like God was pleased with, with what I was doing. Um, Numbers 622 talks about um, the Lord telling Moses to tell Aaron and his sons, that they were to bless the people of Israel. And it's been called the priestly blessing. You've probably heard it in many churches. Um, the, Lord, the Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. God's name was to be on the people of Israel. And that... And the people of Israel were to be known in the rest of the world as people that God had blessed and God loved. And in turn, they would come to know God themselves. Uh, in the commentary of the Bible, uh, he writes, The priests were solemnly to bless the people in the name of the Lord, to be under the almighty protection of God our Savior, to enjoy his favor as a smile of a loving father, whereas the cheering beams of the sun. Uh, in the paraphrase of the message of those verses, uh, they paraphrase that God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. So sometimes we don't think of God uh, looking down on us with favor Especially, you know, depending on our background, sometimes we think of God um, always looking down on, on us in judgment, uh, which he certainly is capable of doing. But that's not his desire. His desire is to look down and love on us. And God has always desired a loving relationship with his children, just as a father desires a loving relationship with his children. One person that the Bible says uh, was pleasing to God was Noah says in Genesis 6, 8, but God found favor in the, or but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But when you really think about Noah, uh, 
he lived in a really difficult era. Sometimes we think our culture is kind of messed up. His culture was really messed up. Um, there was no one in his peer group that was godly. It says the world was filled with violence, and every inclination of the thoughts of man was, uh, was only evil all the time. That's almost hard to comprehend. Yet it says in Genesis 9 that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. And if you think about that, Noah had no Christian support group, right? Um, he didn't have Christian encouragers to come alongside him, no uh, fellowship breakfast that he could go to. Um, and I think, wow, that's kind of amazing that Noah had such confidence in God that he just continued to live for God. Um, we know that Noah had to have tremendous faith and trust to remain faithful when everyone around him was corrupt, immoral, and compromised. Noah trusted God and obeyed God uh, to build the ark. And think about it, Noah had no experience with ships. He had no experience with a flood. And those around him were mocking him. And the scripture says he was 500 years old when he was told uh, to do this. That by itself seems like quite a challenge. Uh, yet Noah did all that was commanded to him. What would we do if God asked us to do something um, that didn't make sense to us at the time? That had to have made absolutely no sense to Noah to build an ark. Yet he had enough faith in God that he proceeded. And as I was thinking about that scripture, I was really convicted because um, a lot of times we think we can process all this logically, but if, uh, if someone came to you and they said, uh, I think God's leading me to do such and such, or let's say Noah came to you and he says, I think God's leading me to build a big boat. You say, Noah, Noah, no. There's never been a flood. You're 500 years old. You know, you better rethink this. This isn't from God. But could we do that to someone else, you know, who comes to us for counsel or want to share something, and we dismiss it because rationally we think, that's stupid, that's, that's not going to happen. So it was convicting to me to, um, if someone ever comes to you for encouragement or counsel, to be really careful with what you respond back with because God might be asking somebody to do something that makes no sense to you or to us at the time, and yet it might be really of God. Uh, remember in Matthew where um, Peter had told Jesus that he realized he was the Messiah and um, Jesus was pleased with that. And then a couple of verses later, when Jesus is telling Peter that he's going to have to go and uh, suffer and be crucified, Peter said, no, that's, you know, that's not going to happen to you. And what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. So we just have to be really careful with what we counsel others um, when, when God might be leading. And I don't know if we're on the right chart or not. The reason uh, God found favor, or Noah found favor in God's eyes was not because he lived a legalistic and obedient life. Rather, he had a relationship with God and walked with God. That relationship led him to be obedient. But it's, a lot of times we think we have to 
just follow prescriptions and that sort of thing, but that's not what God desires of us, and that's not what causes God to shine on us. In the same way, if we're in a loving relationship with our spouse, we want to do things that please our spouse and express our love. Our relationship leads us to a loving and obedient walk with God. It says in Hosea, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. In, um, in Matthew, the Pharisees were criticizing Jesus because he had been having fellowship with tax collectors and uh, sinners. And how did Jesus respond in Matthew 9.13? He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Practicing the law was designed to lead Old Testament people to God, but instead many religious people practiced the law without having an impact on their relationship with God. So what is there about our relationship with God that pleases God or causes him to smile on us? Well, and this is where we all have challenges, or at least I can say I've had challenges. God desires for us to trust him completely. And think about it. If God knitted us together while we're still in the womb, he knows a number of hairs on our head, wouldn't God also know how we're wired, what would make us happy, joyful, and at peace? Of course he would. He would know better than we would know what would bring fulfillment to our lives. Yet how often do we desire to run our own lives, our own way, and subconsciously, I can speak for myself, we sometimes fear that God's going to ask us to do something or not do something that might not be what we would want to do. Um, and I've, been, I've struggled many times with major career decisions, you know, what should I do or what I shouldn't do, and I could never come to a peace about that decision until I was willing to say, okay, Lord, this is what I would like to do but I defer to you, and if this isn't your plan, then, then I'll give up on it. And then I would have an overwhelming sense of peace from the Holy Spirit. But not until I came to that point that I was willing to say, okay, you know what I want to do, I've been praying about this, but it's not happening, so I give up. I, and, and almost every time, few exceptions, but the Lord blessed me with what I wanted, but it wasn't until I would say, you're in charge, and... Um, this is the direction we're going. So are we challenged to trust God completely with all aspects of our lives? And I think the answer is yes. Do we trust him with our financial affairs? Do we trust him to help us with our business? Do we trust him to guide us in parenting our children? Do we trust him even if his leading doesn't make sense at the time? Do we compartmentalize our lives? And I absolutely, over the years, compartmentalized my life. And I'll just tell you one story. When we were in Europe, um, we were working for NATO, and we had one of the biggest investigations that I ever worked on. The Dutch had come to us and said, we know classified information is leaving NATO. Um, a, a foreign intelligence officer had recruited a Dutch citizen, and he was couriering this information to the embassy in The Hague. Well... It turned out that that was uh, other elements of the government knew this information was leaking, but they didn't know how, and it became, um, well, it consumed my life for a couple of years. And we pursued that investigation 
zealously, and we failed. At the, end, the bottom line is we failed. We found out later that another person in the intelligence community working for the CIA had, um, was also a spy. He's now in jail. But he had found out about the investigation, and he passed that information on, and the whole operation stopped. And we were looking for an operation that didn't exist anymore because um, it had been compromised. As I reflected back on that, there were two things that really convicted me. One, I don't remember spending a lot of time praying about it. Why would I pray about family and church and brothers and sisters in Christ and not pray about what I'm investing hours and hours and hours of my time on? And it, it's for all of us in all of our individual endeavors. Um, we don't know what God's causing to happen. And the other thing that convicted me was, what if this whole point of this entire investigation that we spent hours and hours and hours on was spiritual? Like the, the people we were leading, meeting from the Dutch government, what if one of them was to come to Christ? Or, um, you know, what, maybe there was something else that was supposed to happen, but we were so preoccupied with what we were doing that we weren't, that we weren't sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I, I just say that in everything we do, we just really need to pray about it and not, com- not allow our lives to be compartmentalized. We'll pray about this, but we don't worry about that. And, and, you know, we just know what our job is and we do it. God's at work everywhere. He needs people in every profession. And, um, and we don't want to be the one that um, drops the ball, so to speak, spiritually. Um, God longs to f- uh, find in his people steadfast love. In other words, constantly loyal devotion responding to his own outpoured covenant love and true, true knowledge of God. In other words, he wants an intimate experience of communion and, he, and he's not interested in us having information about him, which is sometimes what um, church and uh, reading the word can become. And I'll be the first to say trusting God completely is not easy. And sometimes it's very difficult to discern that next step. Where is it that I'm supposed to go? Um, for me, I think this list is pretty good as far as if you're struggling with a decision, uh, fervent prayer. And there, lately, especially in Matthew, that word fervent before prayer has been just really highlighted to me. Um, don't just pray about it and put it on the shelf, but fervently pray. There are times to fast, uh, continue studying scripture, and then seek wise counsel of others, and then waiting on the Lord. Wait till he gives you that peace uh, that, you've, that you feel confident that you're going in the direction he wants you to go. If we find we're doing something outside of his will during this process, why would he give us further revelation about what we're supposed to do? If we're already disobedient in some aspect of our life, it, I don't believe God's going to give us a lot more information. He wants us to get our life straight. Um, I would say the rewards of completely trusting God are immeasurable, and it gives God pleasure. This is one of the verses I've called on many times in my life, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body 
and nourishment to your bones. That's a great promise at the end, right? That he's going to, if we give him the right space, he's going to bless us. In Psalm 37, it says, Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. We will never be happier than when we are in God's will. There's, we think we know what we want uh, to happen in our lives and what we want to do, but the true peace is only going to come when we're striving to be in the God's will. I think as we seek God, he supernaturally changes our desires and our prayer life to conform to his perfect will. Um, and I can't explain how that happens. Elvin will explain that to the kids later too. <laughs> If we are in relationship with God, we will want to do his will and obey him. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness and he was called God's friend. 1 John 2 This is how we are sure that we have come to know him, by keeping his commandments. The one who says, I have come to him without keeping his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is perfected. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. This quote, I think, is true from uh, Kenneth Osbeck. He says, life can be a restless, disrupted existence. Implicit trust in God's great love and wisdom with a sincere heart to follow his leading should be every Christian's goal. Our willingness to trust and obey is always the first step towards God's blessing in our lives. So that brings us to the song, Trust and Obey, I think. Uh, During an evangelistic service by D.L. Moody in Massachusetts, a young man was listening to D.L. Moody and he said, I'm not sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. Well, those words were sent to a Presbyterian minister uh, Reverend Samus, and he wrote the hymn, Trust and Obey. As we conclude this time together, I'd like for us to sing that song. We've got four stanzas with the recognition that as we strive to trust our Lord with our lives and to seek to obey his teachings, we will be pleased, he will be pleased, and will meet our needs. He desires to bless us as only our creator can. Look at how great, it says in 1 John, look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God, and we are. So we're going to bring the uh, musical folks up and sing uh, Trust and Obey, and it'll be on the screen.
光。